This is the Rose Woman Pod, and I'm your host, Christine Marie Mason. Every week, this show provides a little something to help us live with more freedom in our body-mind to move from taboo to liberation. What do you do when you wake up in the morning? Grab your phone, pour a bleary-eyed cuppa, strap on your running shoes, hit the pavement, light a candle, chant a prayer, make a protein shake and start emailing, check Instagram while making lunches for the kids. Does your morning routine at all include dropping into your rhythmic, sensual nature? A little self-anointing in the shower, hip gyration while making breakfast, a little morning foreplay or morning sex? Look, if you're not in the mood, I understand. But as you'll hear with our guest today, Angie Bird, that mood is just an intention and about 20 minutes away. And as she says, good sex changes everything. And it's kind of a thing you cultivate and desire, um, just like anything else that matters to you. So Angie Bird, Wild Studio, here we go. She's a sex coach, but I have the sense that she's much more than a sex coach. I have the sense that she's about helping people find their deeper embodiment and have a lot more pleasure in their lives in general. Because when I went to her site, one of the first topics I found was natural eroticism. And you know, that's a favorite thing of mine. You are nature and there's nothing to fix. And all of these sensual sexual urges you have are part of your natural unfolding. So we're going to talk a lot about orgasm, sexuality, sensuality, and things like letting your body lead, matching your state to the task. We have all kinds of good topics ahead. So please welcome Angie Bird. Thank you so much, Christine. It's really an honor to be here. And I've been a huge fan of Rosebud Woman for quite some time. So this is really a thrill to be here. Well, that's great to hear. I feel like we're very aligned in our missions. How did you come to this journey? I, I had read some stuff that you had come through it from a lot of personal pain. It really came from my mother who suffered from depression and committed suicide in 2006. So it's kind of a strange place to start a story about sexuality. But what that did, I had always been, since I was a child, I had always been interested in humanity and nature and the interplay between the two and the bigger questions of life and who am I and who are we and why are we the way we are and and why do we do the things that we do? What's our way of being? How and why do we move through the world the way that we do? And so after my mom's passing, in the way that she passed, I really went deeply into my own self to find who I was and a lot of answers within within me. And there was, you know, obviously a lot of pain, but it actually was a great journey and very liberating. So alongside of that, I've been married to the same man for 26 years, and we've definitely had our ups and downs in our relationship and just like any normal relationship. And some of those things were extremely painful. A lot of them were around our sex life. And so with those two things really started to coincide. My, my inner journey of my own self and this, the sexual nature of my relationship. I have found that the work around sexuality with women and pleasure is is really a missing link that is not talked about so much. Like we all know how to make a green smoothie. We all know to meditate and go to yoga or do all the things, but you can't have a complete view of health and wellness without talking about our sexual health. 
and wellness. I mean, it is a huge part of our lives. And I really do believe that it is, it, again, it's the missing link to find where our true power and our true connection both to ourselves and in our relationships, all relationships actually, and just the magic and beauty and sacredness that lies in there that we don't really know how to tap into in our modern world. I mean, sexual health and wellness is, seems like there'd be a broad spectrum. How do you know if you're sexually healthy? That's a great question. I don't know if we do. I don't know if we've really come to a place of knowing what that means. And so the way I come to it for myself and my work is really just being with the person, the individual. What does it mean for you? Having said that, yes, orgasms are good for everybody. <laughs> so it's really diving into getting to know yourself and your body so intimately that you intuitively know what you want, what's good for you, what your boundaries are, what's a yes, what's a no. And you're very clear about that. But first, we have to know what it is that we want. Yeah, some sort of index of uh, capacity to feel, it sounds like. like. You know, what is it? Is it index of wetness, frequency? I don't know. That in and of itself says a lot about how in touch or out of touch we have been with what's normal. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, like you said, quantity, right? You know, you have that like, oh, we should all be having sex at least three times a week or once a week or wh whatever it is. Like who, who says that? You might be having sex once a month, but it's like the best thing in the entire world. Now, probably it should be more than once a month, actually. But <laughs> This is this is this is the bigger than a bread box, smaller than a, a refrigerator conversation on frequency. Well, more than that, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so this, what where you're pointing to is a topic that you discuss on sexual and romantic identities. Um, I think a little bit by saying it's it's sort of really custom to you. What do you mean by a romantic identity or a sexual identity? It's really how you come to view the way that you are approaching yourself and your relationship. It could be a long-term relationship. It could be someone you've just met. You know, those variables, I don't know if that matters so much because it's really about the relationship with yourself. And I talk about this a lot with pleasure and even seduction. And I actually had this experience during an embodiment practice where it was like a light bulb went off that the only person I'm really seducing ever is myself. What? Like, honestly, like <laughs> when you can really have that worldview of like, like the whole seduction process is for me. I wasn't in this embodiment practice just with me, for me. And it was exquisite. And then you take that out into the world with your partner. I mean, in some respects, you can even take it into the business world. I know that sounds crazy, but the art of sales is the art of seduction in, in some ways. Let's break it down. Go back. Go, you said, you said the word embodiment and that, that's getting used a lot more, but some people might not know what that is. Sure. Yes. So when I say embodiment, it's really the, the awareness of the sensation of being in a physical body. So it's having that awareness of I'm in a body because most of us live from the neck up. All of our lives, or I have clients all the time tell me they feel like a bobblehead with just living from the neck up, constantly in their minds, constantly in their thoughts, which there's great usefulness in that. There's, you know, our brain is a big and wonderful, beautiful, magical thing. And, but we also have this magical body. 
that it's important to be in touch with and gives us so much information. And we just don't, A, listen, and B, know what to do with the information that's being given to us. So dropping down and feeling your whole self. And you said embodiment practice. So I mean, imagine I think dance or yoga or something, but when you're in that like self-seduction mode, what kind of practices do you use? I tend to, my body really likes to move. So it is more of a dance style practice, but it's very, uh, you could call it non-linear, right? So I also love yoga. I also love meditation. I'm a runner. Like I do all forms of exercise. And I tend to think those are more in that kind of go, go get them. You could call it masculine energy, you know, that sort of domain. And for me, it's important to also have harmony, not balance on the other side of that with something that's more flowing, that's more energetic. You could call it feminine, just really putting on music, one or two or three songs, or or you can practice as long as you want and really put on music that speaks to you and just let your body move Mm. the way it wants to move. It's not a dance. It's not, sometimes it does look like dance. Sometimes it's just my body just is tight and I need to move as tightness or I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need to move as overwhelmed. You you think you call that letting your body lead, right? There's this thing I was sitting in front of the computer so much this week and, and I have this feeling I have a turtle shell on my back, you know, so I'm I'm literally walking around like going turtle shell, turtle shell, (laughs) moving my shoulders up and down to kind of bring consciousness into this, habituated way of sitting. But I love this idea of of doing what your body wants and not calling it anything, like not calling it dance. Just my body's doing its thing or tremoring, shaking, whatever it happens to be. Beautiful. Absolutely. Anything, it could be on your hands and knees on the floor. It could be lying down. It could be standing up. It could be whatever your body is calling you to do and knowing how to be so present and aware that you're listening to it and you can tap into that and say, okay, my body needs to be on the ground today. Mm. So literally every morning I ask, where, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to be? We're going to be upstairs. We're going to be downstairs. You're going to be in this room. You're going to be in that room. You're going to be on the floor. You're going to stand up like in being so in touch with, with your nervous system. It's really, it's all about that as well. Like what does my nervous system need? Sometimes I want to upregulate and create more energy. Sometimes I need to downregulate and be more at peace and create calm. Well, when you're saying harmony versus balance, I, I think that's a beautiful way of seeing it. For most people, relaxation and spaciousness is a prerequisite for sexual arousal, most women. So you, you are talking about, like, I think you write a lot also about getting in the mood. Like, you know, And that's a common complaint in menopause, right? Like women are like, I just don't feel the urge. But then once they're aroused, they're fine. And it's just that sort of desire decreases. So what do you, what do you tell people about getting in the mood? Yeah, that's also a great point because I too am menopausal. And so I understand this very, very well. You know, performance in all areas of life, performance is a direct correlate to how something occurs for you. And so what I mean when I say that is, how is sex occurring for you? How are you occurring for yourself? Are you occurring for yourself as 
hot, tired, <laughs> you know, gaining weight, irritable, like whatever that might be. We're specifically pointing to menopause, but it could be anything else. I'm occurring for myself as overworked. I'm occurring for myself as overwhelmed. I'm occurring for myself as I just don't want to have sex right now. Right. And I also understand that there are biological things that happen in a body, chemical things that can also be at play, hormonal things, getting your hormones checked, all that stuff. That's, those are real. That's actually a real thing. So beyond that, it is about knowing how to change how something occurs for you. And it could be all the things that we all know to do, right? Lighting candles, take a bath, Use anoint oil all over your body from Rosebud Woman, um, <laughs> which I have and I love. Um, Thank right? you for the plug. Thank you. I'm dead serious. <laughs> and, you know, playing music that moves you. Music is huge. Mm. Putting the right music on can change something in an instant, at least for me. And I think a lot of people and especially a lot of women are also moved by that. But we just kind of forget. We forget who we are. We forget what we're up to. We forget what moves us. We forget what feels good. So it's a process of remembering like, oh yeah, I remember who I am. And exactly what you said, you know, a lot of times we think we just don't have it. Like, I'm just tired. I don't want to, I don't want to have sex. I'm just not in the mood. But then when you start, you're like, oh yeah, wait, this is fun. So just constantly being in that, it's like a very fine line of like being, being always a yes but also knowing when to take care of yourself. So this idea of how I occur for myself, and then also I'm in control of how I occur for myself to a certain extent um, by putting on music or by moving in a specific way means I have to have the intention to want to be sensual or sexual. There's a, a little bit, it sounds like, of, a, of an override. Like you, you're, it's not coming instinctively because you're too busy doing all the things that are in front of you or it's biochemical or whatever. But like everything else that's worth doing, you have to make the choice. What's What stops people from making the choice? Like what gets in the way? We have so many other priorities, I think. We set up our day, get up at five in the morning, I meditate, I journal, I exercise, I... I'm not saying this is me personally. I'm just <laughs> saying in general, these are the types of things. I was very impressed. I was very impressed there, Angie. <laughs> so my body, my body doesn't tells me clearly it does not want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> anyway, um, but let's just say that's the case. You know, like you wake up early, you've got all these things that you have on your to-do list of how to be present. So often we have so many things to do in order to be present, which is interesting. So that by the end of the day, you're tired. A lot of the times your body might actually be tired. And what we forget is to create that same sort of intention. You're absolutely correct. Same sort of intention and space and priority and time for our pleasure and for our sexual health. Could be with yourself. It could be intimate time with your partner. And also sex doesn't always have to be penetration. Like we think that, oh, I don't want to have sex because it's this big deal and it takes this blah, 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 and it ends in this thing. And we all have this view of how sex goes, right? We have our pattern. So a lot of times what I'll tell clients to just kind of reset this pattern and, and create and break that pattern up and get out of that habitual loop 
is to do something called sensual flaneuring. So to flaneur is a French word. It means to wander, right? So create an hour. It could be 30 minutes, whatever, whatever works for you with your partner. Or again, it could be with yourself. And just if you have a partner, just go be with your partner, set a timer, 30 minutes, put some music on. You can do the whole candle thing too. And just wander, just flaneur over your partner and look at them like you've never seen them before. Look at this body that you have, this gift of this person, this human being, and creating that pleasure space of just with beginner's mind, with wonder and awe, because it truly is a miracle. And then you reverse. So then if you're with if you're with another person, then they can do that with you. And you start to discover new things about this person that you maybe didn't even know before. And there's lots of other play things to do and tools about different types of touch and different types of sensation items. And, you know, there are love languages for our eroticism, just like the love languages of you know, relationship. Ooh, I think you have a really, you have a really big idea there. So first of all, like I just flaunt for it's F-L-A-N. Is that how it is? Correct. F-L-A-N-E-U-R. So I was just thinking, it's like, what are you going to put on your calendar? Like, you know, that dessert flan, yes. you could put on, you could put on sex, sexy flan time or something, you know, like whatever it happens to be. But this, this such a beautiful idea of seeing your partner of 20 plus years through new eyes and treating them like wonder and, you know, even writing down what your, your sexual or sensual love languages are. Like, do you like soft touch? Do you like gentle touch? Do you like, uh, you know, hard touch? Do you like play? Like, it, it, I wonder if you could just get down to the same, like your five love languages, like do a study and find out what most people think are their sexual love languages. So good. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my teachers has actually done that. And she came up with blueprints. And so you can be energetic or sensual or sexual or shapeshifter or kinky and, you know, and really not being afraid of some of these things. Like when we say the word kinky, everybody kind of, you know, Ooh, okay, what kink, what, you know, and we have this, again, we have this worldview of the way we think that is, but th there's a lot of beautiful stuff in in all domains and just being curious about life and being curious about sexuality and being curious about your partner and, and yourself. Yeah. I was thinking about, um, actually, I'd love to look at that blueprint stuff and include a link in the show notes, but even if you took the standard love languages stuff, the gifts, the kind words, the, you know, that, that stuff and, and used it in your sexual and sensual play, that would be pretty great. Like what if you just praised your partner or they praised you for, 20 minutes, that appreciation shower, which would be the, the words of kindness, or you planned your session together. That would be one of, that's one of the love languages too, right? Doing things together, but you like co-created some kind of scenario together and then went off prepared and came and did it. Like you could literally translate those five love languages into a sexual and sensual environment. Yes, absolutely. And creating and, and be adventurous. And again, being curious especially if you're if you've been with someone for many many years and even after just a couple of years you know we, again we start to get in the same habits and patterns and so bringing back curiosity you know having the occurring of being curious about yourself your partner and your sex life what could this look like 
What could we do to bring in more fun? What are our fantasies? And actually talking about it and really being open and honest without judgment and having conversations with each other to where I want to hear your fantasy. I want to know what you want because I want that for you. And talking about it doesn't mean that it has to happen, but at least talking about it and saying like, okay, well, that's a no for me, but how can we work? How can we create something that will work for both of us? Yeah. Or it's a no for me at this time. Yes. It's a no for me now, you know, but let's move in that direction. I might need to move more slowly, but let's move in that direction and create some things that do work for both of us. But you don't ever know that unless you actually talk about it with honesty without judgment. So now we're relaxing, we're making space, we're getting into our bodies, we're doing some imaginary play, we're communicating with our partner, we're intending to love them, we're taking ecstasy. No, we didn't say that. Um, (laughs) Hey man, whatever. (laughs) Douche. You know, I was like 45 before I tried anything. I like I didn't even try marijuana or something until then. Maybe I did once, but then I started, then I took some a year where I tried every psychedelic drug for a year uh, and um, one a month, <laughs> like in a re- as a research project. No, it was amazing. <laughs> anyway, the first time that I did this, I did psychotherapy right. with MDMA and it like completely opened up your mind. Like, and no, there was nothing that you were afraid of. You, you were totally in love with yourself and the world and the, whoever you were talking to. So I did it with my partner on my birthday and a sensual and sexual environment. And I would, and it gave me a reference point for like what it would feel like to just be walking around in the world with your brain flooded with serotonin all the time, because <laughs> that's the mechanism. It doesn't like make you perceive things differently. It just makes you love everything. So um, then you go into this interaction with your partner with this sense of like, that's how I want to treat you. Like, oh, oh my God, you're so precious. <laughs> anyway, so we didn't say ecstasy. Okay, but uh, but ecstatic mood, and then uh, you you t- you because you say that this is all worth investing in and doing, not just because your sexuality is an indicator of health and wellness, which is like a legacy of like you should do it because you will be healthy, you know. But it's it's like this idea that you're you said that sex good sex changes everything is something you've been out there telling people, and and it, and it, and tell me about that like. If you make this investment and this commitment to yourself, in what way does good sex change everything? Well, it changes you chemically. We'll start there. So every time you have an orgasm, it completely resets your nervous system. So you become more calm, more peaceful, with more energy, more creativity. It floods the body with oxytocin, with dopamine, serotonin, all the feel-good hormones. Beyond that, it opens the body, it opens the mind, it creates an ecstatic state. And when we learn actually how to be with another human being in a sensual, sexual environment, again, it doesn't have to be penetrative sex. It could be flanoring. It could be just being sensual. It could just be holding someone and breathing and creating an energetic type of flow, more of an energetic style of orgasm. But it could be a lot of different things. So sex means a lot. And when we can create that type of deep, deep intimacy, again, both with ourselves and with another person, you do start to see the world differently. 
you see relationships differently. You see other humans differently. It really does start to create exactly what we were just talking about of being in an ecstatic state. And especially for women, you understand where your power comes from. Like our power is living in our laps. And it's part of my mission is to liberate that Mm. and to know how to do that. Because I think we all have so much fear and, and again, kind of guilt and shame wrapped up in sex and you shouldn't look a certain way and act a certain way. And yes, there's appropriate places to be in times of, you know, if you're in a business meeting or if you're with your friends or if you're with your partner, but at the same time, you still can have that sense and that feeling of being turned on like a power switch. And then you have a volume dial that you can kind of turn it down, turn it up. But good sex changing everything really does mean that when you understand the power of true intimacy and true connection with yourself, your own body, and what that means for you and creating and getting back in touch with that intuitive, natural, wild eroticism, it does start to have a ripple effect and trickle out to every other single relationship in your life and every other area of your life. I want to focus on that little turn on switch and uh, the idea of the dimmer you know how that, that dimmer on your light bulb goes up and down that you're on and it can be like a slow simmer, like you're saying, or it can be full on flame. And that's detectable in people like in the coffee shop or at a, at the grocery store, I can point out somebody who is turned on inside when they're, when they're walking with their grocery cart, it, you can feel it. It emanates like a auric field or something. Absolutely. And it's those people that you just don't even know why, but you're attracted to them. You want to be around them. And it doesn't have to be sexual attraction. It's just, I just want to be around you. I want to talk to you. I want to be in your energy field. Like, you know, you just are, there's an attraction there. And it's because they, knowingly or not, have that switch, that dial turned to a level within themselves that radiates. It radiates confidence. It radiates joy, passion, pleasure, creativity, just all these things that I think over time and and the way our life, the way modern life is set up right now tends to diminish all of those qualities. We have flattened some of those down. Yeah, this. okay. so your turn on is a turn on for life. And and when you're saying the things in the world that that flatten us down, like for me, that's the news. I mean, I will, I read the highlights, the important things and things that are important to my domain. Uh, and I read them on, I read them because the manipulation of your mind body experience by broadcast news is, you know, it's all galvanic skin response. They test what will send your adrenaline spiking before they even put it out. It's, it's mass manipulation. And so you can get your date. That's one that tamps you down. The busyness tamps you down. The weight, if you're eating processed foods, that's a total energetic damper. What are some other things that are like killing your turn on? Well, those top three you mentioned are the top three, I believe. I mean, <laughs> they like, do, man. Those like facts. Uh-huh. You know. um, <laughs> other things could be your environment. You know, what type of environment are you in? Your breathing, how you breathe, your natural breath. Um, do you hold your breath up high or are you able to take deeper breaths down from your belly? Your relationships, the quality of your relationships, honesty. Are you able to be truthful? Are you able to actually ask for what you want? 
So all of these things tend to dampen and create sort of that flatness. Yeah. I mean, honesty, I, I feel, so I just completed a three-year trauma healing uh, course and what they talk about around shutdown is that you, you shut down when your nervous system can't take it anymore. And then each one of these layers is a intelligent that comes at that you wrap around yourself as an intelligent adaptation to things that have gone before. So when you can't tell the truth, you probably learned that withholding your truth was a pretty good mechanism for safety. And so this idea of like, I want to be able to say it, but you know, then I'm going to have to deal with their response, the threat of loot of losing something, uh, disapproval, uh, being perceived wrong. There's so many things that it's so, so getting help, like finding someone like you or someone who can coach people to step into their truth and to, understand how to say it to someone else. Um, even if you have a fear of a repercussion, that can be a very tender process, particularly if you had trauma. Absolutely. And thank you for bringing that up because we do have reasons why we are the way we are or that we relate the way we relate. Absolutely. And there are many types of trauma. And this is actually a very large and deep part of the discussion and could go on for a very long time. And, but I completely agree with you. And there are certain instances, I mean, I have them in my life where something occurred and there was the response of shutdown. There was a freeze response, not complete immobilization, but freeze. And my husband and I actually had a conversation a few months ago. We were sitting in a restaurant and we were in a just, you know, not an argument, but we were not agreeing. And I was feeling attacked because that's a pattern of mine is to feel attacked. And I said that. And then as we were going in the conversation, I just froze. Like I stopped talking. And that's another pattern, you know, and he knows this about me. But at the same time, we were in this, you know, discussion. And he said, you know, can you please just tell me, just say something. And I said, I can't. I'm in a freeze response right now. And I'd like for you to know that. And I need to get up and walk around. So I got up and I walked around. I moved my body. I got some fresh air. So I've learned to, when I'm in that freeze state, to break that pattern with movement, even if it's just getting up and walking around, because it helps to, now this is a very small experience. I mean, I know there are people that have large trauma that, you know, this is like a little tidbit. Well, you, you don't get to on my show to denigrate your own trauma. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, basically I want, I would like for everyone to respect that, like to respect that moment because it's coming from somewhere deep in yourself. And the one thing like I, 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 I love the movement adaptation. And also as you Healing by yourself is great, but healing in relatedness, the next movement is to say, honey, I'm freezing. Could you stroke my forearm? Just be present with me and hold me in that way. Even though we're at dinner, like just hold my hand. That moves it into like, we're doing this together. You're participating in my process. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love that. Thanks, Thomas Hubel. And healing those aspects of ourselves in relatedness to another person. Humans humans are social creatures. 
we do need each other. Yeah, you talked about that in your community stuff, like leaning into community to help you find your sensuality and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we do, we're not supposed to be doing any of this alone. Humans do need each other. We all are very aware of that at this point in our midway through 2021. And we need each other. Yeah, just feeling together. I love this. So there's a lot of great suggestions. Maybe we could all do a big breath together, even right now. If you just want to find your feet, just feel your feet and then take the biggest inhale you've taken of the day. Just let it come in and feel how your breath just makes even a little bit more space in your body. Do you want to be turned on? Do you want to live turned on? If you do, you should go see Angie because I have a feeling she's a lot more tips for you. <laughs> I do, in fact. <laughs> Tell us where you can find you, where everybody can find you. Yes. So uh, my website is ourwildstudio.com, O-U-R wildstudio.com. And I'm Angie.Bird, B-Y-R-D on Instagram. And those are probably the two best places to find me right now. All right. Well, I'm inspired to live a little bit more rhythmically and sensually and really put some attention and time in the calendar for the kinds of things that Angie was talking about. You can find me at the.rose.woman on Instagram or my company at Rosebud Woman. I would very much appreciate your support. I'm trying to meet my first year podcast goal of subscribers. And if you would please subscribe or review it and subscribe, review it if you like it and subscribe. <laughs> and then please tell your friends. Okay, have a wonderful day wherever you are. Find your inner pulse and your inner sensual divine center and uh, find the beauty wherever you're walking. Peace and blessings. Mm -hmm.